0: Chapter Four of Short Stories for Colored People, Both Old and Young by Silas X. Floyd. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Honesty. Early in the morning, two little boys came to the marketplace. They arranged their little stands and spread out their wares and sat down to wait for customers. One sold watermelons and fruit, and the other sold fish and oysters. The hours passed on and both were doing well. By and by, Sammy had only one melon left on a stand. A gentleman came along and said, "'What a fine large melon! I think I will buy that one. What do you ask for it, my boy?' "'This is my last melon, sir, and though it looks fair, there is an unsound spot on the other side,' said the boy, turning the melon over. "'So there is,' said the man. "'I don't believe I'll take it.' "'But,' he added, looking straight at the boy, "'is a very good business for you to point out the defects of your goods to customers?' "'Perhaps not, sir,' said the boy, with becoming modesty. "'But it is better than being dishonest.' "'You are right, my boy. Always speak the truth, and you will find favor with God and man. "'I shall not forget your little stand in the future.' Then, turning to the other boy's stand, the man asked, "'Are those fresh oysters?' ''Yes, sir,'' said Freddy. ''These are fresh this morning. Just arrived.'' The gentleman bought them and went away. ''Sammy,'' said Freddy, ''you'll never learn any sense. What did you want to show that man that spot on the melon for? He never would have looked at it until he got home. I've got an eye to business myself. You see how I got rid of those stale oysters. Sold them for just the same price as fresh oysters.'' ''Freddy,'' said the other boy, I wouldn't tell a lie, or act one either, for twice the money we have both earned today. Besides, I have gained a customer, and you have lost one. And it turned out just as Sammy said. The next day the gentleman bought a large supply of fruit from Sammy, but he never spent another penny at Freddie's stand. It continued that way all through the summer. At the close of the season he took Sammy into his store, and, after a while, gave him a share in the business. Uncle Ned and the Insurance Solicitor Life insurance is something that every married man should carry. In fact, it is a fine investment for a young man to take out a 10- or 20-year payment policy in some good company, which can be made in favor of his father or mother or in the event of his death, or obtained in cash 10 or 20 years later by himself. The following story tells of an insurance agent trying to insure the life of an old colored man, the story is amusing, but only as a story. We do not advise anyone to follow Uncle Ned's example. Charles Turner, an agent from the Working Men's Industrial Aid Insurance Company, called upon Edmund Grant, an elderly colored man, with a view to getting him to insure his life. Good morning, Uncle Ned, said Mr. Turner. Good morning, Mr. Turner, said the man, raising his hat and making a low bow. Uncle Ned, do you carry any insurance inquired the agent do i carry what asked uncle ned do you carry any insurance is your life insured asked the agent bless the lord yes indeed sir replied the colored man long long ago in what company asked the solicitor i'm a baptist sir a deep-water baptist answered uncle ned THE AGENT REALIZED THAT THE OLD MAN HAD NOT UNDERSTOOD HIM, BUT ANYHOW HE ASKED HIM, HOW LONG HAS IT BEEN SINCE YOU JOINED? I JOINED THE SAME YEAR THE STARS FELL, REPLIED THE OLD MAN. THE SOLICITOR KNEW THAT THE OLD MAN REFERRED TO THE YEAR WHEN THE GREAT METEORIC DISPLAY OF SHOOTING STARS TOOK PLACE, AND SAID, THAT'S QUITE A LONG TIME AGO. DOES YOUR COMPANY PAY ANY DIVIDENDS? MR. TURNER, SAID UNCLE NED WITH A SMILE, THAT QUESTION IS OUT OF MY REACH. "'Just what do you mean?' "'Why, Uncle Ned,' said Mr. Turner, "'a dividend is interest paid on your money, "'and if you've been paying your money into one company for more than thirty years, "'surely you ought to have been receiving your dividends long before now, "'especially if it's an old line company.' "'Well,' said Uncle Ned, "'it's surely the oldest line company that ever was. "'The Lord set it up himself way back yonder on Calvary's tree.' but i haven't heard of any interest or dividends nothing of the kind and you haven't heard me talk about paying in money for thirty years you know you haven't salvation's free man salvation's free you know that as well as i do oh i see said mr turner i see that i've misunderstood you you're talking about your soul's salvation i certainly am answered the old man "'Well, I came here to talk to you about insuring your life in case of death, or your body in case of accident or sickness,' replied the agent. "'Accident, sickness, and death come to all of us,' said Uncle Ned, very solemnly. "'There's no way of getting away from death.' "'That's so,' replied the agent patiently. "'Insurance companies cannot prevent sickness and death any more than you can, Uncle Ned.' but insurance companies can do and help you to bear your burdens in time of trouble. "'That's just what my religion does,' said the old man with great satisfaction. "'But we do it in a different way,' persisted the agent. "'How do you do it?' asked Uncle Ned. Then the agent went on to explain all about insurance, the benefits, the premiums, accident benefits, sick benefits, etc., "'dwelling particularly on the fund that would be paid in the event of the old man's death. "'Uncle Ned listened with a great deal of interest, and after he had finished inquired. "'Mr. Turner, who do you say the money goes to when I die?' "'To your wife,' answered Mr. Turner. "'Or to your children, or any one else you name. "'Well, Mr. Turner, let me ask you one question. "'Don't you think that it would help the other fellow more than it would me?' what other fellow asked the agent my wife's second husband replied ned you know as well as i do that if i was to die and leave five or six hundred dollars to her that some other colored gentleman would be trying to change her name before i got cold in the ground the agent could not suppress a smile and uncle ned went on women are mighty curious if i went into this thing i wouldn't dare let dinah know about it she's a mighty fine and loving wife right now But if she knew there was all that money waiting for her when I died, wouldn't she be sort of looking forward to the time when she could get it to spend? Why, Mr. Turner, she might even be tempted to put something in my tea, and the first thing I knew some morning I'd wake up dead. I don't want anything to do with this insurance. The Baptist Church is good enough for me. When Mr. Turner gave it up and laughingly left him, he heard Uncle Ned sing— I'm a Baptist-bred and a Baptist-born, and when I die, that's a Baptist-gone. THE STRENUOUS LIFE They were having a rough-and-tumble time of it, and Pansy was getting some pretty hard blows. She took them all good-naturedly, nevertheless, and tried to give as good as she received, much to the delight of her little boyfriends. A lady who was standing near, afraid for the little girl, chided the boys and said— "'You shouldn't handle Pansy so roughly. You might hurt her.' And then Pansy looked up in sweet surprise and said with amusing seriousness, "'No, they won't hurt me. I don't break easy.' It was a thoroughly childlike expression, but it had more wisdom in it than Pansy knew. She spoke out of a little girl's experience with dolls, some of which, as she had learned, broke very easily.' Pansy knew how delightful it was to have a doll that didn't break so easily. Though she was not a homely girl by any means, and though she was not a wicked little girl, yet she wanted it understood that she was not like a piece of china. That was why the other children liked her so much, because she knew how to rough it without crying or complaining at every turn. Pansy was not a crybaby there is all the time my dear boys and girls a great demand everywhere all through life for people who don't break easily people who know how to take hard knocks without going all to pieces the game of life is sometimes rough even among those who mean to play fair it is very trying when we have to deal with people who break easily and are always getting hurt and spoiling the game with their tears and complaints IT IS SO MUCH BETTER WHEN WE HAVE TO DEAL WITH PEOPLE WHO, LIKE LITTLE PANSY, DO NOT BREAK EASILY. SOME OF THEM WILL LAUGH OFF THE HARDEST WORDS WITHOUT WINCING AT ALL. YOU CAN JOSTLE THEM AS YOU WILL, BUT THEY DON'T FALL DOWN EVERY TIME YOU SHOVE THEM, AND THEY DON'T CRY EVERY TIME THEY ARE PUSHED ASIDE. YOU CAN'T BUT LIKE THEM. THEY TAKE LIFE SO heartily AND SO SENSIBLY. YOU DON'T HAVE TO HOLD YOURSELF IN WITH THEM ALL THE TIME you can let yourself out freely without being on pins as to the result young people of this class make good playmates or good workfellows as the case may be so boys and girls you must learn to rough it a little don't be a china doll going to smash at every hard knock if you get hard blows take them cheerily and as easily as you can Even if some blow comes when you least expect it, and knocks you off your feet for a minute, don't let it floor you long. Everybody likes the fellow who can get up when he is knocked down and blink the tears away and pitch in again. Learning to get yourself accustomed to a little hard treatment will be good for you. Hard words and hard fortune often makes us, if we don't let them break us. Stand up to your work or play courageously, and when you hear words that hurt, when you are hit hard with the blunders or misdeeds of others, when life goes roughly with you, keep right on in a happy, companionable, courageous, helpful spirit, and let the world know that you don't break easily. A HUMBUG A boy or girl who is pleasant and agreeable everywhere except at home is a humbug. I know one boy who is a good deal of a humbug although you would never think so if you were to see him in any place outside of his home. He is good-looking, neat and tidy, and carries himself like a little man. I do not know of a boy who can tip his hat more gracefully to a lady, or who can say, I beg your pardon, or excuse me, please, more pleasantly than he can. But, for all that, he is a humbug. I visited his home the other day i heard his mother speak to him alexander she said well what do you want he asked in a voice which plainly indicated his displeasure i want you to do something for me oh you are always wanting me to do something just when i want to be doing something else said alexander and this time he was whining in departing on his errand alexander accidentally ran against his little sister in the hall I expected to hear him say, I beg your pardon, in the pleasant way that I knew he could say it, but he snapped out instead, Oh, get out of the way, can't you? When he returned from the post office, Alexander's mother was out in the yard trimming the flowers. While Alexander was reporting to her she happened to drop her scissors. I expected to see her plight and dutiful son pick them up, as he was close by when the scissors fell but the boy paid no attention to the scissors when his mother said please pick up my scissors for me alexander he said what did you drop them for i spent the best part of one whole day at alexander's home and never once during all that day did i hear him speak politely to his mother or sisters nor did he observe the ordinary rules of courtesy and good behaviour in their presence He was continually grumbling and complaining and finding fault. So I think I have a right to say that this boy is a good deal of a humbug. Any boy is a humbug who is polite and gracious to others and in every way discourteous and disagreeable at home. Don't you think so, too? End of chapter 4